Chapter 6 of Ghosts, being the experiences of Flaxman Lowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Wayne Cook. Ghosts being the experiences of Flaxman Low, by H. and Hesketh Pritchard, the story of Yond Manor House. Looking through the notes of Mr. Flaxman Low, one sometimes catches through the steel-blue hardness of facts, the pink flush of romance, or more often the black corner of a horror unnameable. The following story may serve as an instance of the latter. Mr. Lowe not only unraveled the mystery at Yond, but at the same time justified his life-work to Monsieur Thury, the well-known French critic and philosopher. At the end of a long conversation, Monsieur Thury argued from his own standpoint as a materialist and said, the fact in the human economy which you call soul cannot be placed i admit that replied low yet when a man dies is there not one factor undaccounted for in the change that comes upon him yes for though his body still exists it rapidly falls to pieces which proves that that has gone which held it together the frenchman laughed and shifted his ground well for my part i don't believe in ghosts spirit manifestations occult phenomena is not this the ashbin into which a certain clique shoot everything they cannot understand or for which they fail to account then what should you say to me monsieur if i told you that i have passed a good portion of my life in investigating this particular ashbin and have been lucky enough to sort a small part of its contents with tolerable success, replied Flaxman Low. This subject is doubtless interesting, but I should like to have some personal experience in the matter, said Thury dubiously. I am at present investigating a most singular case, said Low. Have you a day or two to spare? Thury thought for a minute or two. I am grateful, he replied, but forgive me. Is it a convincing ghost? Oh, come with me to Yond and see. I have been there once already, and came away for the purpose of procuring information from manuscripts to which I have the privilege of access, for I confess that the phenomena at Yond lie altogether outside any former experience of mine. Low sank back into his chair with his hands clasped behind his head, a favorite position of his, and the smoke of his long pipe curled up lazily into the golden face of an Isis, which stood behind him on a bracket. Theory, glancing across, was struck by the strange likeness between the faces of the Egyptian goddess and this scientist of the nineteenth century, on both rested the calm, mysterious abstraction of some unfathomable thought. As he looked, he decided, uh, I have three days to place at your disposal. 
I thank you heartily, replied Lo. To be associated with so brilliant a logician as yourself in an inquiry of this nature is more than I could have hoped for. The material with which I have to deal is so elusive, the whole object is wrapped in such obscurity and hampered by so much prejudice, that I can find few really qualified persons who care to approach these investigations seriously. I go down to Yon this evening, and hope not to leave without clearing up the mystery. Will you accompany me? Most certainly. Meanwhile, pray tell me something of the affair. Briefly, the story is as follows. Some weeks ago I went to Yond Manor House at the request of the owner, Sir George Blackburton, to see what I could make of the events which took place there. All they complain of is the impossibility of remaining in one room, the dining room. <laughs> what is the like then, this uh, Monsieur Le Spook? asked the Frenchman, laughing. No one has ever seen him, or for that matter heard him. Then how? You can't see him, nor hear him, nor smell him, went on Low, but you can feel him and taste him. Mon Dieu, uh, but this is singular. Is he then of uh, so bad a flavor? You shall taste for yourself, answered Flaxman Lowell, smiling. After a certain hour, no one can remain in the room. They are simply crowded out. But who crowds them out? asked Thierry. That is just what I hope we may discover tonight or tomorrow. The last train that night dropped Mr. Flaxman Low and his companion at a little station near Yond. It was late. A trap-in-waiting soon carried them to the manor-house. The big bulk of the building stood up in absolute blackness before them. Blackburton was to have met us, but I suppose he has not yet arrived, said Lowe. Hello, the door is open, he added, as he stepped into the hall. Beyond a dividing curtain they now perceived a light. Passing behind this curtain, they found themselves at the end of the long hall, the wide staircase opening up in front of them. But who is this? exclaimed Theory. Swaying and stumbling at every step, there tottered slowly down the stairs the figure of a man. He looked as if he had been drinking. His face was livid, and his eyes sunk into his head. Thank heaven you've come. I heard you outside, he said in a weak voice. It's Sir George Blackburn, said Low, as the man lurched forward and pitched into his arms. They laid him down on the rugs and tried to restore consciousness. Yes, he have been drunk, but it is not so, remarked Thierry. Monsieur has uh, had a bad shock of the nerves. See, the pulse is drumming in his throat. A few minutes, Blackburton opened his eyes and staggered to his feet. Come, I could not remain there alone. Come quickly. They went rapidly across the hall, Blackburton leading the way down a wide passage to a double-leaved door, which, after a perceptible pause, he threw open, and they all entered together. On the great table in the center stood an extinguished lamp, some scattered food, a big lighted candle. But the eyes of all three men passed at once a dark recess behind the heavy, carved chimney-piece, where a rigid shape sat perched on the back 
of a huge oak chair. Flaxman Lowe snatched up the candle and crossed the room towards it. On the top of the chair, with his feet upon the arms, sat a powerfully built young man huddled up. His mouth was open, his eyes twisted upwards. Nothing further could be seen from below but the ghastly pallor of cheek and throat. "'Who is this?' cried Lowe. Then he laid his hand gently on the man's knee. At the touch, the figure collapsed in a heap upon the floor. The gaping, set, terrified face turned up to theirs. "'He's dead,' said Lowe, after hasty examination. "'I should say he's been dead some hours.' "'Oh, Lord, poor Batty,' groaned Sir George, who was entirely unnerved. "'I'm glad you've come, Lowe.' "'Who is he?' said Theory, and what was he doing here? He's a gamekeeper of mine. He was always anxious to try conclusions with the ghost, and last night he begged me to lock him in here with food for twenty-four hours. I was opposed to it, but then I thought if anything happened while he was in here alone, it would interest you. Who could imagine it would end like this? When did you find him? asked Lowe. I only got here from my mother's half an hour ago. I turned on the light in the hall and came in here with the candle. As I entered the room, the candle went out, and, and, I think I must be going mad. Tell us everything you saw, urged Lowe. You will think I'm beside myself, but as the light went out, I sank almost paralyzed into an armchair. I saw two barred eyes looking at me. Barred eyes? What do you mean? Eyes that looked at me through thin vertical bars, like the bars of a cage. What's that? With a smothered yell, Sir George sprang back. He had approached the dead man and declared something had brushed his face. You were standing on this spot under the overmantel. I will remain here. Meantime, my dear theory, I feel sure you will help Sir George to carry this poor fellow to some more suitable place, said Flaxman Lowe. When the dead body of the young gamekeeper had been carried out, Lowe passed slowly around and about the room. At length he stood under the old carved overmantel, which reached to the ceiling and projected boldly forward in quaint heads of satyrs and animals. One of these, on the side nearest the recess, represented a griffin with a fanged mouth. Sir George had been standing directly below this at the moment when he felt the touch on his face. Now alone in the dim, wide room, Flaxman Lowe stood on the same spot and waited. The candle threw its dull yellow rays on the shadows, which seemed to gather closer and wait also. Presently a distant door banged, and Lowe, leaning forward to listen, distinctly felt something on the back of his neck. He swung around. There was nothing. He searched carefully on all sides, then put his hand up to the griffin's head. Again came the same soft touch, this time upon his hand as if something had floated past in the air. This was definite. The griffin's head located it. 
taking the candle to examine more closely lo found four long black hairs depending from the jagged fangs he was detaching them when theory reappeared we must get a sir george away as soon as possible he said yes we must take him away i fear agreed lo our investigation must be put off till to-morrow on the following day they returned to yond it was a large country house pretty and old-fashioned with latticed windows and deep gables that looked out between tall shrubs and across lawns set with bow-pots where peacocks sunned themselves on the velvet turf the church spire peered over the trees at one side and an old wall covered with ivy and creeping plants and pierced at intervals with arches alone separated the gardens from the churchyard a haunted room lay at the back side of the house it was square and handsome and furnished in the style of the last century the oak overmantel reached to the ceiling and a wide window which almost filled one side of the room gave a view of the west door of the church low stood for a moment at the open window looking out at the level sunlight which flooded the lawns and parterres see that door sunk in the church wall to the left said sir george's voice at his elbow that is the door of the family vault cheerful outlook isn't it i should like to walk across there presently remarked low what <laughs> into the vault asked sir george with a harsh laugh i'll take you if you like anything else i can show you or tell you yes last night i found this hanging from the griffin's head said Lowell, producing the thin wisp of black hair it must have touched your cheek as you stood below do you know to whom it can belong it's a woman's hair now the only woman who has been in this room to my knowledge for months is an old servant with grey hair who cleans it returned blackburn i'm sure it was not here when i locked batty in it's a human hair exceedingly coarse and long uncut said low but it is not necessarily a woman's it is not mine at any rate for i'm sandy and poor batty was fair good night i'll come round for you in the morning presently when the night closed in theory and low settled down in the haunted room to await developments they smoked and talked deep into the night a big lamp burned brightly on the table and the surroundings looked homely and desirable theory made a remark to that effect adding that perhaps the ghost might see fit to omit his usual visit experience a ghost proves that the ghosts have a cunning habit of choosing persons either credulous or excitable to experiment upon he added to monsieur theory's surprise flaxman low agreed with him they certainly choose suitable persons he said that is not credulous persons but those whose senses are sufficiently keen to detect the presence of a spirit in my own investigations i try to eliminate what you would call the supernatural element i deal with these mysterious affairs as far as possible on material lines then what do you say of batty's death uh, he died of fright simply i hardly think so the manner of his death agrees in a peculiar manner with what we know of the terrible history of this room he died of fright and pressure combined 
did you hear the doctor's remark it was significant he said the indications are precisely those i have observed in persons who have been crushed and killed in a crowd that is sufficiently curious i know i see that it is already past two o'clock i am thirsty i will have a little seltzer there he rose from his chair and going to the sideboard drew a tumblerful from the siphon Pa, <laughs> what an abominable taste what the seltzer not at all returned the frenchman irritably i have not touched it yet uh, some horrible fly has thrown into my mouth i suppose pa disgusting uh, what is it like asked flaxman low who was at the moment wiping his own mouth with his handkerchief like as if some repulsive fungus had burst into the mouth exactly i perceive it also i hope you are about to be convinced what exclaimed theory turning his big figure round and staring at low you don't mean as he spoke the lamp suddenly went out why then have you put the lamp out at such a moment cried theory i have not put it out light the candle beside you on the table low heard the frenchman's grunt of satisfaction as he found the candle and then the scratch of a match it sputtered and went out another match and another behaved in the same manner where theory swore freely under his breath let me have your matches monsieur flaxman mine are no doubt damp he said at last low rose to feel his way across the room the darkness was dense it is the darkness of egypt it may be felt where then are you my good friend he heard theory saying but the voice seemed a long ways off i am coming he answered but it is so hard to get along after low had spoken the words their meaning struck him he paused and tried to realize in what part of the room he was the silence was profound and the growing sense of oppression seemed like a nightmare theory's voice sounded again faint and receding i am suffocating monsieur flaxman where are you i am near the door ah a strangling bellow of pain and fear followed that scarcely reached low through the thickening atmosphere theory what is the matter with you he shouted open the door but there was no answer what had become of theory in that hideous clogging gloom was he also dead crushed in some ghastly fashion against the wall what was this the air had become palpable to the touch heavy repulsive with a sensation of cold humid flesh low pushed out his hands with a mad longing to touch a table a, a chair anything but this clammy swelling softness that thrust itself upon him from every side baffling him and filling his grasp he knew now that he was absolutely alone struggling against what his feet were slipping in his wild efforts to feel the floor the dank flesh was creeping upon his neck his cheek his breath came short and laboring as the pressure swung him gently to and fro helpless nauseated 
the clammy flesh crowded upon him like the bulk of some fat horrible creature then came a stinging pain on the cheek low clutched at something there was a crash and a rush of air the next sensation of which mr flaxman low was conscious was one of deathly sickness he was lying on wet grass the wind blowing over him and all the clean wholesome smells of the open air in his nostrils he sat up and looked about him dawn was breaking windily in the east and by its light he saw that he was on the lawn of yon manor house the latticed window of the haunted room above him was open he tried to remember what had happened he took stock of himself in fact and slowly felt that he still held something clutched in his right hand something dark-coloured slender and twisted it might have been a long shred of bark or the cast skin of an adder it was impossible to see in the dim light after an interval the recollection of theory recurred to him scrambling to his feet he raised himself to the window-sill and looked in contrary to his expectation there was no upsetting of furniture everything remained in position as when the light went out his own chair and the one theory it occupied were just as when they had risen from them but there was no sign of theory low jumped in by the window there was the tumbler full of seltzer and the litter of matches about it he took up theory's box of matches and struck a light it flared and he lit the candle with ease in fact everything about the room was perfectly normal all the horrible conditions prevailing but a couple of hours ago had disappeared but where was theory carrying the lighted candle he passed out of the door and searched in the adjoining rooms in one of them to his relief he found the frenchman sleeping profoundly in an armchair low touched his arm theory leapt to his feet fending off an imaginary blow with his arm then he turned his scared face on low what you monsieur flaxman how have you escaped i should rather ask you how you escaped said low smiling at the havoc the night's experiences had worked on his friend's looks and spirits i was crowded out of the room against the door that infernal thing what was it with its damp swelling flesh enclosed me a shudder of disgust stopped him i was a fly in an aspic i could not move i sank into the stifling pulp the air grew thick i called to you but your answers became inaudible then i was suddenly thrust against the door by a huge hand it felt like one at least i had a struggle for my life i was all but crushed and then i do not know how i found myself outside the door i shouted to you in vain therefore as i could not help you i came here and <laughs> i will confess it my dear friend i locked and bolted the door after some time i went again into the hall and listened but as i heard nothing i resolved to wait until daylight and the return of sir george that's all right said low it was an experience worth having but no not for me 
I do not envy your researches into the mysteries of this abominable description. I now comprehend perfectly that uh, Sir George has lost his nerve if he had to do with his horror. Besides, it is entirely impossible to explain these things. At this moment, they heard Sir George's arrival and went out to meet him. I could not sleep all night for thinking of you, exclaimed Blackburton on seeing them, and I came along as soon as it was light. Something has happened. But certainly something has happened, cried Monsieur Thury, shaking his head solemnly. Something of the most bizarre, of the most horribly. Monsieur Flaxman, you shall tell Sir George the story. You have been in that accursed room all the night. You remain alive to tell the tale. As Lowe came to the conclusion of the story, Sir George suddenly exclaimed, You have met with some injury to your face, Mr. Lowe. Lowe turned to the mirror. In the now strong light, three parallel wheels from eye to mouth could be seen. I remember a stinging pain like a lash on my cheek. Uh, what would you say these marks were caused by theory? asked Lowe. Theory looked at them and shook his head. No one in their senses would venture to offer any explanation of the occurrences of last night, he replied. Something of this sort, do you think? asked Lowe again, putting down the object he held in his hand on the table. Theory took it up and described it aloud. A long and thin object of a brown and yellow color, and twisted like a saber-bladed corkscrew. Then he started slightly and glanced up at Lowe. It's a human nail, I imagine, suggested Lowe. But no human being has talents of this kind, except perhaps a Chinaman of high rank. There are no Chinamen about here, nor ever have been, to my knowledge, said Blackburton shortly. I'm very much afraid that, in spite of all you have so bravely faced, we are no nearer to any rational explanation. On the contrary, I fancy I begin to see my way. I believe, after all, that I may be able to convert you, Theory, said Flaxman Lowe. Convert me? To a belief in the definite aim of my work. But you shall judge for yourself. What do you make of it so far? I claim that you know as much of the matter as I do. My dear good friend, I make nothing of it, returned Theory, shrugging his shoulders and spreading out his hands. Here we have the tissue of unprecedented incidents that can be explained on no theory whatever. But this is definite. And Flaxman Lowe held up the blackened nail. And how do you propose to connect that nail with the black hairs, with the eyes that looked uh, through the bars of a cage, uh, the fate of Batty, uh, with its symptoms of death by pressure and suffocation, our experience of uh, swelling flesh, that something which filled and filled the room to the exclusion of all else? How are you going to uh, account for these things uh, by any kind of connected hypothesis? said Theory with a shade of irony. I mean to try, replied Lowe. At lunchtime, Theory inquired how the theory was getting on. It progresses, answered Lowe. By the way, Sir George, who lived in this house for some time prior to, say, 1840? He was a man of may have been a woman, but from the nature of his studies, I am inclined to think it was a man who was deeply read in ancient necromancy. 
eastern magic mesmerism and subjects of a kindred nature and was he not buried in the vault you pointed out do you know anything more about him asked sir george in surprise he was i imagine went on flaxen low reflectively hirsute and swarthy probably a recluse and suffered from a morbid and extravagant fear of death how do you know all this i only asked about it am i right you have described my cousin sir gilbert blackburton in every particular i can show you his portrait in another room as they stood looking at the paintings of sir gilbert blackburton with his long melancholy olive face and thick black beard sir george went on my grandfather succeeded him at yond i have often heard my father speak of sir gilbert and his strange studies and extraordinary fear of death oddly enough in the end he died rather suddenly while he was still hale and strong he predicted his own approaching death and had a doctor in attendance for a week or two before he died he was placed in a coffin he had had made on some plan of his own and buried in the vault his death occurred in eighteen forty two or forty three if you care to see them i can show you some of his papers which may interest you flaxman low spent the afternoon over the papers when evening came he rose from his work with a sigh of content stretched himself and joined theory and sir george in the garden they dined at lady blackburton's and it was late before sir george found himself alone with mr flaxman low and his friend have you formed any opinion about the thing which haunts manor house he asked anxiously theory elaborated a cigarette crossed his legs and added if you have in the truth come to any definite conclusion pray let us hear it uh, my dear monsieur flaxman i have reached a very definite and satisfactory conclusion replied low the manor house is haunted by sir gilbert blackburton who died or rather who seemed to die on the fifteenth of august eighteen forty two nonsense the nail is fifteen inches long at least how do you connect it with sir gilbert asked blackburton testily i am convinced that it belonged to sir gilbert low answered thick long black hair like a woman's disillusion in the case of sir gilbert was not complete not consummated so to speak as i hope to show you later even in the case of dead persons the hair and nails have been known to grow by rough calculation as to the growth of nails in such cases i was enabled to indicate approximately the date of sir gilbert's death the hair too grew on his head but the bad eyes i saw them myself exclaimed the young man the eyelashes grow also you follow me we have i presume some theory in connection with this observed theory it uh, must be a very curious one sir gilbert in his fear of death appears to have mastered and elaborated a strange and ancient formula by which the grosser factors of the body being eliminated and the more ethereal portions continue to retain the spirit and the body is thus preserved from absolute disintegration in this manner true death may be indefinitely deferred secure from the ordinary chances and changes of existence the spiritualized body could retain a modified life practically forever this is a most extraordinary idea my dear fellow remarked theory but why should sir gilbert haunt the manor house 
and one special room. The tendency of spirits to return to the old haunts of bodily life is almost universal. We cannot yet explain the reason of this attraction of environment but the expansion the crowding substance which we ourselves felt you cannot meet that difficulty said thierry persistently not as fully as i could wish perhaps but the power of expanding and contracting to a degree far beyond our comprehension is a well-known attribute of spiritualized matter wait for a little moment my dear monsieur flaxman broke in thierry's voice after an interval this is very clever and ingenious indeed as a theory i give it my sincere admiration but proof proof is what we now demand flaxman low looked at the two steadily incredulous faces this he said slowly is the hair of sir gilbert blackburton and this nail is from the little finger of his left hand you can prove my assertion by opening the coffin Sir George, who was pacing up and down the room impatiently, drew up. I don't like it at all, Mr. Lowe. I tell you frankly, I don't like it at all. I see no object in violating the coffin. I am not concerned to verify this unpleasant theory of yours. I have only one desire. I want to get rid of this haunting presence, whatever it is. If I am right, replied Lowe, the opening of the coffin and exposure of the remains to strong sunshine for a short time will free you forever from this presence. In the early morning, when the summer sun struck warmly on the lawns of Yond, the three men carried the coffin from the vault to a quiet spot among the shrubs, where, secure from observation, they raised the lid. Within the coffin lay the semblance of Gilbert Blackburton, mane to the ears with long and coarse black hair matted eyelashes swept the fallen cheeks and beside the body stretched the bony hands each with its dependent sheaf of switch-like nails low bent over and raised the left hand gingerly the little finger was without a nail two hours later they came back and looked again the sun had in the meantime done its work Nothing remained but a fleshless skeleton and a few half-rotten shreds of clothing. The ghost of yond manor house has never since been heard of. When Thierry bade Flaxman low good-bye, he said, In time, my dear Monsieur Flaxman, you will add another to our sciences. You establish your facts too well for my peace of mind. End of chapter 6